when you work in the restaurant industry, you, it's hard to, to take a stance and pigeonhole yourself as a vegan or someone as plant-based. But I think for sure, I, I support people who are eating more plants and less meat. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message. That was today's guest, the lovely Lauren Toyota of Hot for Food, the blog and the YouTube channel. She was a uh, much music correspondent, and then yada, 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 she had a blog and then a YouTube channel. And if you want to hear more about the yada, yada, stick around, because I have a great conversation with her coming up in just a moment. And of course, I'm Adam Hurd, and this is my podcast, Blood, Sweat, and Tongs. Welcome to it. Are you hanging in there? We're, uh, we're coming up on, what is this, month, uh, I think this is month 11 in this whole COVID-19 pandemic disaster. Are you settling in? Is, is this the new normal? Does that freak you out to hear that? I heard on the radio the other day they had the, uh, the list of things that people don't want to hear, terms that people never want to hear again or whatever. I don't know if this was scientifically designated, if they actually did a study. They probably just asked some people on the street, and it's pretty conclusive, and uh, new normal was number one. But yeah, I could I could do away with not hearing that ever again. And I don't think it's just the term. I think it's the idea of, you know, am I always going to have to wear a mask, stay six feet apart, Never handshake again. Never hug. That's all done. I don't know. It's bleak. I don't really want to talk about it, and you probably don't want to hear about it. You can get that shit on CNN and every other news channel every single minute of every day. Brought to you by the fine folks at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. (laughs) Uh, That's just a conspiracy theory. Anyway, if you're not familiar with uh, Lauren Toyota's work, she has a YouTube channel and a blog called Hot for Food. She had a cookbook out called Vegan Comfort Classics, and her new book is coming out March 16th. I believe you can pre-order it. I know it's available Amazon, uh, I think Indigo, and hotforfoodblog.com. I think you can pre-order it there. You can at least get the information you need there. But uh, interesting chat, interesting lady. Really cool for me to reflect on my own... um, evilness, I guess, in that I believe eating animals is probably wrong. We're at a point, I think, uh, anthropologically, ecologically, environmentally, we don't need to do that. It's actually not sustainable, especially cows. It's not a sustainable food source really anymore. And I know there's a lot of arguments. There's health and environment and everything. But my opinion is that it's unnecessary. But, get this, I eat meat. So, I know it's wrong. I believe eating meat is murder, yet I still do it. Now, I think there's actually lots of people that eat meat that if they were really being honest, uh, they would say it probably is wrong too, but they don't want to be honest because they don't want to believe they're going to go to hell for, you know, eating a cute little lamb. Instead, You know, we kind of shield ourselves with lies going, well, my dog's cute and intelligent, but cows definitely aren't. They don't feel pain or they don't have brains or feelings or intelligence or whatever lies some people tell themselves so that they feel better about stuffing that cheeseburger into their fat face. Again, just my very condescending, passive-aggressive opinion on the matter, but I admit it. Uh, I have gone vegetarian, not vegan. I can't, I can't get there yet. I just, I shouldn't say can't. I'm not getting there yet. I've gone vegetarian at times for periods. And usually I feel better. I feel better about myself emotionally, uh, physically, definitely for sure. You know, there's a lot of saturated fats, cholesterol, all that crap in meat. And I know there's a lot of people out there, well, you can't live without meat. You know what, honestly, some of the healthiest people I know have been vegetarians for 30, 40, my aunt, 55 years, and she'll run circles around other 70-year-olds. Hasn't eaten a piece of meat since she was like 
19. But you know what? Lauren was cool with it. She is vegan, and uh, she's one of the good ones, I'll say. <laughs> Take that as you will. But, uh, you know, she doesn't condemn or preach, but she educates and understands people's point of view. I think that's going to change a lot more minds than, you know, the type of not just vegans, but really anybody who's got a cause and they're shoving it down your throat and in your face. Anytime you shove something down somebody's throat, they're not moving towards you. They're backing away because they want your hand out of their throat. And I'll be honest, after our conversation, I have been eating less meat. I'm, I'm more conscious of it. I mean, I'm aware, I know how I feel about it, and I know when I eat something, you know, there's a little, kind of like the devil and the angel sitting on my shoulders, and the the angel's going, you probably shouldn't eat that, and the devil's like, oh, but it's got barbecue sauce, it's delicious, eat it. And the devil wins a lot of the time, and I think, I think that's the case with a lot of things and a lot of people. But getting to know Lauren a little bit, her approach, her educational stance and her compassion around it made me go you know what I don't I'm gonna I'm gonna chill out for a bit I'm gonna eat less meat I need to feel good anyway because you know I've been eating just a lot of shit in the pandemic and that's an excuse the pandemic's kind of been an excuse for just about everything right I don't know if you're in the same boat but eating more drinking more swearing more so more veggies for this guy. I know they say half your plate should be vegetables. I've actually been trying to do three quarters and uh, a lot of it raw. So anyway, enough of my nonsense. Let's uh, get to the conversation. This is me talking to the lovely Lauren Toyota. Oh, yeah. I am originally from Mississauga, so... How are you? I knew you were Canadian, but I thought you were Vancouver side for some reason. Yeah, everyone thinks I am, because I started my, like, media television career in Vancouver, and I think people think that's where I grew up, but I did not. Right. So you were Mississauga. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you were... A while ago, you were on Much Music. You did that? I did that. How did... 10 uh, years. How did, uh, how did that come about? How did that happen? Well, um, in high school, I was obsessed with much music like any teenager. And I, I guess I just got hold of this dream that I wanted to be a VJ. And I didn't tell anybody. I just kept it a secret. My one best friend knew at the time. And I really, to be honest, was naive or really just steadfast, confident, something. I was just like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> And uh, I remember I auditioned for the VJ search a couple times. I never got through. And I ended up in college going to school for music industry business. So my plan B was to work in the music industry behind the scenes if I couldn't get into television. But I just thought, you know, I'm going to someone's going to see me. They're just going to give me a shot. And that's sort of what happened. I got very close to getting this job on YTV as a host. And because I got so close, that really boosted my confidence. Like, I do have something. And it's just a matter of time. So I remember I auditioned for this show in Vancouver at the time. Uh, it was the original MTV Canada, um, owned by um, owned by the original like Chum. Uh, it's gone through so many different ownerships. So that's sort of that's how I got in. I, I got this job, moved to Vancouver, started learning how to produce content. Like I didn't have any background. It was like going to school, but it was an actual job. So it was really cool. And got my feet wet that way and then ended up kind of just getting moved over to Much Music because it was all the same family. And they, they gave me this job as the correspondent in the West Coast for Much Music. And I did a show called Going Coastal, which was like this indie music show. It was like a dream. And nice. ended up, yeah, ended up losing my job, though, from there in 2008 when the recession happened. So I thought my career it had just started. I thought it was over. Then I ended up getting back in. I had friends who worked at the Chum Build or the you know the the City TV building, CTV building now at Queen and John. I ended up getting a job as a producer in 2010. Went back in the building and then went from a producer to being a VJ in a couple of months because they were like, I think they were like, how could we not put you on the on the air? <laughs> I think is what happened really. Right. 
Yeah. Well, that's crazy. It was crazy. You, I mean, it's a very unconventional way to have gone through those kind of ranks, I think. Right. It sounds like you kind of locked it into the vision board and yeah. right. It, it got put in the back of your mind and you just, uh, you just did it. Right. And it all fell that's, into a uh, place. That's the short answer. I thought I'd give <laughs> you the, <laughs> that is the short answer is that, yeah, I really did visualize it when I was in high school, I would sit in my room and listen to all these bands and watch all these interviews on much and watch Sookie and Lee. And I would just envision myself doing the same job. And that, that is really, I think, how it happened. Because it certainly wasn't like a by the book way. Right. Yeah. I think that's the way it usually, uh, usually happens. Put the, put the work in the brain first. So uh -huh. after that, what, uh, what happened? Because somewhere between there and now you've made a transition into food health, veganism? Yeah, I guess it started with going vegan. So in that time where I mentioned I got let go from the 2008 recession to actually going back to the Much Music um, building in 2010, I went vegan just right before that. And it was that, I think that pause in my life got me thinking just about my health and my wellness and my mental health. And going vegan was always something I sort of think was kind of meant to be but I ignored it for a long time. Uh, it was just really my physical body and my emotional body sort of speaking to me like, you know, you're, you're not listening to your body. I didn't feel good eating animal products. So it was going vegan that inspired everything. I started a blog called hot for food blog, just as a way to kind of keep myself accountable to the change I was making and like wanted to sort of document the transition from eating, you know, a omnivores diet to a vegan diet. So that's what I did. And uh, it was just a little rinky dink blog. It didn't look good. Um, you know, it was just for me, but I started getting people coming to it and I didn't know anything about blogging. I just sort of thought, oh, okay, just kind of putter around here, got back into television, put it aside because I had no time, but I was still vegan. And, and then, then Instagram in 2012 was really what sort of took it to a different level because Instagram made creating content so much easier. It made tapping into a community so much easier. And I started getting really into social media. And I think that's just how I more or less built the brand to be kind of what it is today was, was because of Instagram. And so then I worked at Much Music for about four and a half years doing like my dream, dream job, doing live television and everything. And again, got let go because of cutbacks. And by that time, I had already established Hot for Food on Instagram and had a, had a more kind of fruitful blog. And when I got let go, you know, a bunch of us got let go on one day, like 120 employees. I was excited and I was kind of like ready for the change. I think I had been preparing for it, you know, the six months before. Uh, I remember working on my blog at Much Music, like at work. We had nothing to do and I was just doing my own thing. So I was taking advantage of the time. And although I never... To be honest, I thought maybe this could be my job, but I wasn't ready to ever make the leap. And then when you're just forced to do that because you lose your job, I just right away was like, okay, well, this is my job now. You know, I already right. paved, I, I paved the way for it to happen. And uh, I was pretty thrilled with, with it, to be honest, because it was just, it, it was so freeing. And sometimes you can't make that decision like rationally, you know, you have right. to be forced. Uh, and that's sort of what happened. Right. And that way, I guess, probably trying to figure out a revenue stream, because I know with blogs and it's, it's a little lost on me, like I know advertising yep. and whatnot, you got to figure out, okay, is there going to be enough revenue coming in and how, and is it going to be consistent? Because it's not like being hired, you know, like most people get a job and here's how much money you have. You're mm -hmm. going to constantly have to change things and stay relevant. So that was probably, yeah. uh, you know, on your mind at the time as well as how much can I make and can I keep the flow coming in? Yeah. I mean, it, that was anxiety and stressful for sure, because, but, you know, luckily again, you know, I talk about the power of visualization and kind of making a VJ dream come true. I think I was really well practiced at that type of um, mentality by this point in my life. So I really truthfully had a much more of a trusting attitude with what was going on. It really felt like kind of this magical manifestation of like what I had been asking for kind of happening quicker than I could catch up to really know what was happening. Right. That's really how the whole hot for food transition felt to me. It was like, okay, I've actually been preparing for this moment, but I didn't realize here's the door wide open 
you got to go through and you got to just trust the money's going to come the the what you'll figure this out but it it was like an i don't know how to figure this out i'll just go for it so right. at first i was you know i was fortunate in that by getting laid off i got a severance so i got a little bit of a few months pay so that was like going to keep me at least being able to pay rent and stuff um but I quickly got a couple of gigs. They were not well paying, but I was getting paid just to create recipes and do blog posts for like Food Network Canada and a couple of other websites. So that was something. Um, I took what I had of my severance and I hired my friend who was a publicist because I thought it was really important for me as like a public figure in the media to like keep the keep the image alive in a way right. like let's make sure that i'm out there that i don't disappear like where did that vj go it was right. really it made a bit of my ego you have to have an ego to do this kind of work and i think 100%. i was just like it's it's important for me to keep myself alive like i'm doing stuff i'm i'm changing into this direction it's it does make sense because it's online content you know it's sort of an it is an evolution and so i just made sure that between her and i you know we could get the message out so i paid her and i've paid her ever since to be honest she's been on my side from the very beginning <laughs> it's been such an amazing partnership and so i think that I know I just made these decisions that I don't know it just it just went from one thing to the other if you want to talk about like making money though like it really I knew that by going into this full time I'd have to rely on brand partnerships and this was right. like a whole world that really hadn't it had started happening in the US but in Canada it was really new for people to think about like how do you integrate this paid partnership idea into social media it's so right. obvious now but back in 2014 2015 it was still very very new right um and nobody, the brands didn't understand how to do it. So I ended up partnering with this YouTube, um, basically YouTube network. They're called multi-channel networks. So I partnered with Kin Community and they were, they were new to Canada. They, they had been working in the US, but they were bringing up a Canadian brand. It was like you're getting signed to, or a musician getting signed to a label. It was like, okay, fine. I'm getting into YouTube. I want to sign to a label so that I have the support system to kind of help bridge that gap between me as just an individual and these agencies and these brands that have these paid opportunities. So, so I, I, I didn't know this was a thing. I learned, I would say within like a three month span that this was a thing and here's kind of how you can get into it. But it was just like learning as I go. And I was right. fortunate to work with Kin early on. So I ended up being one of their first creators. So I got a couple of big sponsorships right at the beginning as like, it was just crazy. It was crazy. Like I didn't, I, I did expect it because this is what I wanted. But when it was actually happening, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm this YouTuber now. Like I right. didn't, <laughs> it, I didn't plan on that. It just, what is what happened? Right. It just starts to fall into place. That makes sense. Yeah. So when did you, um, how long was the blog active before you started the YouTube channel? The blog, I mean, in its infancy, I would, I sort of don't count it, but yeah, I started that when I started going vegan in 2009, but it's sort of the real blog. I say I launched in February, 2014, which was six months before I lost my job at Bell Media at Much Music. So, you know, I started it as like a really nice looking blog. It was proper. It had a real domain name. I had the Instagram um, building from 2013 to 2014. And then YouTube, I started experimenting with in the later half of 2014. I wasn't right away. Like as soon as I lost my job, I wasn't right away into YouTube. I was very hesitant because I wasn't sure about the platform. Like I wasn't sure it was the right place for me because I had a lot of stigma around it because I'm from broadcast television. And I was very much like, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to that side of things because I didn't really think it was legitimate, to be honest. But very quickly, I changed my mind. I told you it's like a matter of like three to four months where I went from being like, I hate YouTube to, oh, this is an actual like cool place that I never gave much credit to. And I can do whatever I want with it. I don't have yeah. to make like jokey videos. I don't have to be a certain way. I can actually do whatever I want and build my own thing here. So that's what I liked about it because that's the freedom I didn't have in television. So initially you didn't want to be a YouTuber. It was the stigma no. around being a YouTuber because you're crossing because some I thought kind it of was, bridge. Yeah. And, and there was this, I could be wrong, but 
I think I'm a little bit older and that's why I was like, YouTube seems like kind of a joke. Like it's prank videos or mm -hmm. it's like this and that. Like I didn't know if there was a space for cooking, like food network cooking type right. content. And I think the timing of entering the space was just when that was about kind of breaking, right. you know, especially in the vegan world, you know, there was a few vegan things I had seen on YouTube, but I wasn't drawn. I wasn't sucked in. Like I didn't want to watch them. So, but I thought, well, what do I want to watch? Let me make what I want to watch. And that's right. what I did. And I think it was really good timing that, again, I didn't foresee, but it happened to be a good time in the Canadian market to sort of enter doing high quality how-to cooking videos. You know, I get that YouTube <laughs> is all about the personality and I quickly learned that. So as soon as, you know, I ended up on camera doing what, I, what I'm good at, that's when it clicked right. for, for, the, for people that were finding me. Yeah. yeah. I did the exact same thing around the same time, but I found myself leaning towards feeling like I had to be jokey. And then it was stupid because I'm watching myself going, oh shit, you're not very funny. This isn't good. <laughs> but, in, but instead of uh, having the resilience to actually do what I want and put myself out there, I just basically stopped doing it. I chickened out, but we had, we were doing like high quality videos, high quality cooking videos but I felt like I had to lean into, you know, trying to actually get a market because why was I there if I wasn't going to, yeah. if I wasn't going to, you know, pull some numbers and I'm trying to do stupid jokes and this and that. And it just came off really bad. Some of them are embarrassing, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I stopped doing it. And I will say, you know, watching your stuff, I, I love uh, your transparency because not everybody uh, has the, I don't know, is it fortitude to do that? Because you, you'll try something and if you mess up, you, you leave it in, you don't edit it. I'm sure there's probably parts you do edit out, but, but a lot of it you edit out because as you probably know, there's a lot of bullshit in cooking yeah. videos where it's like, oh, I just did this and ta-da, look at the lasagna, everything went perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, never yeah. the reality, right? So yeah. So I, I like yeah. the fact how you taste things and like, oh, that's not quite right. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing, you know, when I saw, I would say, I guess I looked to what was vegan out on YouTube. And when I, you know, I didn't just look at regular content, but my reference for regular food content was Food Network right. and Martha Stewart. I, you know, I love Martha Stewart. Don't get me wrong. But I remember when I was younger, I'd grow up and I would watch her show and it would piss me off, like how perfect everything was. <laughs> it would, I would be like, it's not that perfect. Like nobody can do this. So I, so I, I, I think I took a bit of that into like what I was going to do. And the fact that often people would never taste their food. Like I would right. be watching cooking. There's like, why aren't you tasting it? Or they just taste like a little bit. And you're like, okay, you either didn't make that or you've never tasted it before this moment or like what, <laughs> like what's going on. So yeah. that's where that comes from. And it's funny because it seems like an obvious choice to do that. Right. It really, it really isn't for some people because, and it's the same as television when, when you know how people freeze up when they're on television of course like being on camera is like one of the most uncomfortable situations but I've gotten so comfortable with it like more comfortable right. than real life for some reason right and I just yeah it, it's hard for people to want to like they don't want to look bad eating or this and that but like I think by the time I got onto YouTube I had already like almost 10 years of being on camera so I've got really comfortable in my skin in my body how I sound like it doesn't bother me to watch myself I don't care if I look stupid um and that does take a lot of, that's not something that comes naturally. That's not something that everybody can do or even wants to do. But for me, I don't know. I think by the time I got there, I was just ready for it, you know? Yeah. I don't think most people do, obviously, because they're, you know, they make sure that they're always 100% made up, like you, like the Martha Stewart thing. And with her, <laughs> yeah. yeah, everything's perfect. And you're like, she can't be that perfect. Fast forward how many years? Yeah. <laughs> And now she's with Smoo Snoop Dogg smoking blunts on that. <laughs> Did you see that show with her and Snoop Dogg? Yes. Well, and she's so much cooler now because so she's like cool. let her guard down. And like, yeah. she's like, oh, you're a badass. Like, you went to jail. Like, you're not perfect. And that's yeah. why she's been embraced because now she's not this perfect little right. housewife thing, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's kind of a common theme. I watched your, um, of course, I was watching with my 16-year-old. She's vegan. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And she said, uh, I was showing her your stuff and she was like, she's like, this chick's pretty cool. And I said, are we allowed to say chick still? I thought that wasn't, <laughs> she's like, whatever. But uh, uh, I still say chick. I know. I, I'm also old school where I, I grew up 
we grew up at a time where we didn't have to watch what we said. So. Yeah. And there's, there's so many rules I can't keep up anymore. <laughs> I know. Um, but we were watching the thing with the, um, the, the blonde guy, I think it's a recent video who was watching your video oh, that, about yeah, coffee. The, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, that was a load of fun actually. So that was, people seem to really like that video. Again, you know, I'm not a big planner. So it's like, whenever I feel that inspiration to just right. do something, I, I woke up last weekend and I was, as I said in the video, I, I realized why does nobody like, you know, grade on me for like, I'm not a good vegan. I'm a bad vegan. Like I eat bad food, you know, sure. Sure. <laughs> I, I have plenty, I have plenty. You could like go to town on me about. And I, so I wondered and I searched myself, which I don't normally do. And it's not a good idea. But when I found that video, I was like, Oh, I've got to respond to this. So I like when things happen so, like on a whim like that, right. when you're trying and you're trying to be like, Oh God, I have to plan four weeks ahead. My content. I hate doing that. Like it just, right. it doesn't work for me. I like just doing whatever's happening in the moment. So that was yeah. like, that's what that video was. I searched myself like every three weeks. I'm like, am I, am I, <laughs> am I somebody yet? Does anybody, does anybody know? <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, you, you got to do some due diligence. You got to make sure nobody's talking shit. You know, it is a good thing. Well, like, it's kind of like you said in that video, you kind of hope they are because that means that they're, they're at least talk shit all you want. At least they're paying attention. They're not ignoring me. At least they know I exist. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Fuck that guy. It was, uh, it, it was, heck. That video was crazy, but uh, well, I I didn't know anything about him, and I learned from the comments. I don't know if you read any comments, but apparently he eats only raw meat, raw milk. Like uh, I figured, you know, yeah, not, yeah. You can't take anything he says seriously. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, well, he kept saying that you know, well, of course she's cooking it. So I, I said to my daughter, I said he must be a one of the raw food guys. But uh, I think the the reason people probably don't hate on you that much is because you don't push the issue. You might eat the bad yeah. food, but you, usually people hate on vegans because they're they're pushing it and saying you have to be vegan and you know that kind of thing, which you don't really do at all. So that's why. No, I just You should start doing I just want to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I should start you'll, getting really righteous and You'll get more hate, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad I've stayed out of the YouTube drama because, I mean, that was part of the reason I didn't want to go on YouTube because I thought in order to get views, you're going to have to be some kind of, you know, divisive jackass. <laughs> right, right, and, right. And I didn't want to do that or you're or I'm going to have to critique videos or do response. You know, I didn't know the, the landscape. So I thought yeah. of it one way and I thought I can't do that. So I don't think I can do this. But right. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it all works out. And the, the videos are good and uh, helpful. Did you um, did you cook at home growing up? I did. I've always really been into food and cooking and just like ingredients. I remember always reading food labels, always like really liking going to the grocery store, always just wanting to see what's on the shelf. You know, um, I grew up with like pretty, my parents were pretty like health nutty a little bit. Like we shopped at a health food store and I ate like these carob peanut butter cups and soy milk. So I had this like weird crunchy background a little bit. My mom made my baby food, which I think almost informed the vegan thing in a weird way. It's like, it just made me sort of conscious of what goes into my body. So that's always been something I've been aware of. And then cooking, I, you know, I baked with my grandma, like there was, my mom would make recipes from magazines or whatever from television, she'd always be trying something. So that was always around me. And I think that's where I got interested in it. I also went vegetarian when I was a teenager. So I had to kind of make some of my own meals, like my mom would make, you know, we'd always have rice, vegetables, meat, and I'd, I'd take the rice and the vegetables and then figure out how to do something with tofu. So I was always, yeah, I was always just in the kitchen and figuring stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how old were you when you actually decided to go vegan? Oh, I forget how old I was, but it was 2009 that I started transitioning into going vegan. So I just eliminated one thing at a time. That's not me wanting to not reveal my age. It's just me being bad at math. I was just, I was just going to call you out for that in a jokey way. I, I was like, should I or shouldn't I go no, there? <laughs> no, I just turned 38. So t what is that 11 years ago? That's a while. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, that's good. yeah. Um, no, I don't it was care a about transition my then. It was not. It yeah. Was, it was like. Turkey? No, it was, it was like, let's get rid of the red meat. Let's get rid of the chicken. Let's get rid of the fish. Let's get rid of the dairy with the cheese was last. And then it was like any, like, 
um, baked goods that had like egg in them or dairy, I would still eat. And then I was like, no, get rid of everything. Like any like right. bit of animal product gone. Cause once you start, once I started eliminating stuff, if I would have, like I eliminated all the meat and then dairy, dairy's always bothered me. And I just ignored it. Cause I'm lactose intolerant and mm -hmm. I just love cheese. And it was just like, no, you like, if anything, I was mostly addicted to dairy over anything as most right. people are. And, uh, I just left that till the end. Same with the eggs. But as you eliminate one little thing, if I stopped eating eggs, if there was a little bit of egg in something, it would really bother me. And I could, I felt really ill. So it's just like, no, it's not worth it to just be vegan ish. It's like, I got to go all the way. Right. The egg would bother you like for the flavor or the thought of it, or it actually upset your system. Yeah. Upset my body. Okay. I, as it turns out, I'm actually allergic. I didn't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's, I think almost everybody, my gastroenterologist uh, said that among that community, they think that close to a hundred percent of the world's population probably can't handle dairy, but we just yeah. do. Right. We're used to it. And I know now that I'm off of it, if I do go on it, it's violent. It's because my body's yeah. cleansed of it. And if I had a, a tablespoon of sour cream or something like that, that's, that'll push me over the edge, right? That's too much. So you're not vegan, are you? Or just your daughter's fully vegan? No, my daughter, uh, my daughter's vegan. And my wife is my wife. <laughs> my wife's a pescatarian. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the joke? Uh, what do you call a <laughs> What do you call a vegan that eats fish? A liar. Oh. Because <laughs> it's a pescatarian, right? But I So she eats seafood sometimes. Um, she's a naturopath. Yeah. Uh, so she does it for the, the fats and the, the health aspect of it. But, um, mm -hmm. but other than that, yeah, my daughter's, she's pretty strict. She has been. She made the decision when she was 11. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I always taught the life cycle of animals and what they go through. Um, I, I eat. Uh, low meat, no dairy. That's for health reasons. Mm -hmm. I haven't shifted out meat. I probably will eventually because my sons are moved out and it's just me and the girls now. So, but we cook mostly vegetarian or, or vegan and I haven't, I haven't jumped ship yet. I haven't gone that far. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's okay. I mean, arguably I, I actually think like, I mean, it's all bad. I mean, I'm vegan, but like dairy so bad. And I feel like, yeah, if you can get rid of the dairy, you'll notice so many health changes. And it's um, so hard. It's in. I know. It's everything. in everything. And yeah. my wife said there's a, there's a thing with dairy because it actually, I don't know. I can't remember. It Well, it keeps you addicted. The proteins are addictive and they like elevate it's, serotonin in the brain. That, and stuff yeah. Like that's that. what I was going to say. Yeah. She said it stimulates yeah. endorphins or whatever, the same way that chocolate yeah. and, and sex do. Yeah. Oh, it's like, <laughs> well, um, I'll take sex over cheese. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe not chocolate. I'm not sure. Not chocolate, chocolate's a higher up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah. So it actually does stimulate those uh, mm -hmm. those things and and whatnot. Yeah, they really got us. They they really got us. Yeah, dairy, yeah. Right. They and they get you on it right away. Your baby. You're like hundred percent. Yeah. Because milk, it does the body good, right? Yeah. All lies. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Back in the day. Well, we we always talk about that. My wife and I. We're basically forced, our parents said, you have to have your glass of milk. You have to have the glass of milk with dinner. And now that disgusts me because, you know, I've been inside of like all of the manufacturing. I've been inside of, you know, um, you know, poultry and dairy, all of it. And it's nasty. It's not, yeah. it's not good things. And it's unfortunate because I went into a, a pig, um, uh, a pig, I don't even know what you call it, plantation. It's a pig factory, yeah. right? Because there, the pigs are commodities. They're, uh, they're a product. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is a large operation. And, and PETA, or the vegans, are there almost every weekday because this is one of Ontario's largest. Oh, yes. I've gone to the, the Toronto Pig Save Vigils, and I've gone to the Cow Save Vigils. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Problem, the problem with it is, is going on the inside of that because I have a business... We specialize in like food manufacturing auditing processes. Okay. So I've seen the inside of all the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, the problem is it doesn't really hurt the business and the employees actually joke about it. It gives them something to talk about and it kind of in their world excels the opposite, right? So I feel like Ugh. I wish there was a better way for them to, you know, 
short of burning the place down when then they just get insurance money anyway. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Although how can you see all that and then still do it? That's what I find the hardest. It's like, once you know, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I've been on the inside and I still will eat meat. I know it's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, I do eat only meat though. Most of our meat comes from within a kilometer of where you live. Yeah. 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 Not that that makes it I mean, that much better, but well, it is partially better. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know what? The, the biggest thing that keeps me probably eating it to make all of my excuses <laughs> is that uh, pretty well, all of my friends are restaurateurs and chefs and whatnot. And we tour around and we do videos. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to do that without making only vegan videos. You know what I mean? No, I get that. No, I get that. That was my, that was like my kind of, um, that was my last little like thing, like my last like hurdle, because the last thing I wanted to be was annoying or, or, or I felt like there's this like shift that it's really a, just a mental exercise because you think that you're going to miss out on so much. Right. Which is what you're basically saying, right? Right. And I can I can totally get that, of course. There's also a whole other world you haven't even seen that's like so abundant, right? But yeah, when you work in the restaurant industry, you, it's hard to to take a stance and pigeonhole yourself as a vegan or someone as plant based. But I think for sure, I I support people who are eating more plants and less meat. You know, right. you may have to play a role in your restaurant, you know, role and, and do tastings and things like that. But if you're everyday life and you're cooking, you're kind of like doing that, like, you know, one meal a day, two meals a day, however many meals a week, it all does add up and makes a difference. So it's like, right. As much as I'm, I'm super hardcore vegan, I get that that's not a realistic step for people that you have to start somewhere and i know that you right. go on your own journey like you go on your own evolution your own journey to discovering more information and it'll all it'll all do its thing in your mind and it doesn't do any good for me to yell at you or, or make you shame you for your decision like that's just not you're doing something good by a, being supportive of your daughter wanting to go vegan at 11 because that's something that a lot of parents freak out about and right you know i think you're you're on the right path. Yeah, well, I've actually pitched the idea. I, um, I've shopped it around to start like a group or some kind of an organization, you know, trying to get people to eat less mm -hmm. meat, yeah. right? Not to jump into vegan. I've talked, you know, James Ace. Yeah. Oh, yes, James. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I talked to him about it. We talked, I talked to him about you know, the idea of people like me, especially in my age group, yeah. you know, large hamburger eaters um, <laughs> doing something to say, hey, let's do this as a group to convince them to eat less meat. Um, and he was more of the mind, no, like do it or don't do it. But I think if you look collectively, if you get these, these meat eaters, these, you know, yeah. I hate to say like truck driver type yeah. guys, big strap and meat eater dudes, they're not going to jump to vegan. Very rarely that's going to happen. So I think if you can ease them into a transition, say, hey, eat less meat, mm -hmm. right? Eat smaller portions, eat, mm -hmm. show them the value of eating, uh, you know, sustainably raised, pasture raised, you know, local meat. They're going to eat less of it anyway, because instead of whatever it is, $1.99 a pound, it's mm -hmm. 15 bucks a pound. It's not twice the price. Mm -hmm. It's you know, it's six, eight, 10 times the price. Um, but that's how you're going to inch into it because I'll probably eventually get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> how concrete is that? I'll probably eventually no, but, get there. Well, what did he say? What is, I mean, I kind of know what someone like James says. So I like James. I respect him for sure. And he this goes is, in, you know, so he do goes I. And that's right that's why, in. Sure. And that's yeah. why I reached out to him. But no, he, no, yeah. he, he basically thought it was a, a shitty idea. <laughs> He was, I, I, yeah. And I'm a little bit more in the middle because I think you have to meet people where they're at and, you know, there's all different kinds of advocates, people like right. me, people like James, people will gravitate to one over the other. It's all, all helpful and it's all the work that needs to be done. So I, I'm just more about like meet people where they're at. It's too big of a leap to get a guy who eats red meat every day and then chicken. Like everyone's just eating way too much animal protein. That's the bottom line. Right. So as much as you can reduce, 
it's better for you as a person, your health, and it's also better for the environment and it's, it's the whole picture. So, right. Yeah. And it's hard to admit, like, and, and this is, this is the thing with people is that when they're eating meat, they can't say that eating meat is wrong. Right. Yeah. But I eat meat and I say eating meat is wrong, which makes me a self-admitted horrible person, right? <laughs> straight to hell. I'm going straight to hell because I know what I'm doing, but I admit it. And that's the first step I think is, is that you have to kind of like, was it Jamie Oliver? There was a video years and years uh -huh. ago where he killed the lamb and then he cried. I don't know if you ever saw uh -huh. it. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's one of those things. My daughter's seen that video. It's yeah. one of those things I think everybody should have to go through that. I mean, if you, you have to know what you're eating because the grocery stores do a great job of packaging it and hiding it and making it look like closer to a package of cookies than it does an animal. Right. Yeah. On yeah. Oh yeah. That's the whole, that's the whole intention. You, you're right. I mean, I was you, like I love animals. I cry when I see animals. That's why I went vegetarian at 12, but come college <clears throat> and the way humans are so good at compartmentalizing and, and disassociating, I went back to eating meat. Right. And the whole time I ate meat, I was like, you, this is wrong. Oh God, I feel bad. I do it anyway. Cravings right. were superseding anything else, but you would start. Yeah. You know, you'll get, you will get there in some capacity and it'll be your own journey. And I, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not gonna, it's not worth my energy to like sit here for two hours and convince you when I can put out a video and capture minds. And I just think, you know, right. I'm trying to do a lot at once. And I think this is a great conversation. And, I, and it's just, it's, for, it's just my mentality toward it because I, I, right. I'd rather you feel it's better for you to come to these, to have your own dialogue going on. Right. You're smart. You know, right. I don't need to tell you. See, you're that, figuring it out. That mentality is why you don't get all the trolls. You don't get the hate. Yeah. I don't want, yeah. And I truthfully don't want it. I can't <laughs> handle it. <laughs> I know. Actually, you know what? I did a podcast. It was a few years ago um, about, you know, we discussed, about how eating a cow, eating a chicken is, is no different really than eating your dog. Think about eating yeah. a pet, right? Um, entirely hypocritical because I eat meat. I get it. But, oh, man, so many people did not get that. I got so much shit for that, saying that's ridiculous. And honestly, I don't get it. I'm like, how do you not understand that a cow is just as intelligent and feels the same emotions as your mm -hmm. dog? How do you think I'm that far off base? Because people thought I was nuts. People that listened said, yeah, that's ridiculous. I get it if they're like, they don't want to, they don't want to listen to it. They don't understand. They don't want to admit it. Right. Right. But I mean, to think that I was that far off base, it seems, it seems like common sense to me, you know? Yeah. Well, it, people it just, even freak out about like, oh gosh, they've been mislabeling horse meat or something, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. who cares though? How's the horse any better than the pig? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, if that's not good, but it's not as, as atrocious as everyone makes it seem because it's all, you know, they're all animals. Yeah. And I think it's a good, you know, it, we've made a lot of, since I went vegan until now, it's been a decade and it, to see the change and to see the strides, you know, Toronto pig save had a whole ad campaign in the subways in Toronto showing that like why eat one and not the other with a pig and a dog. I think it's a very compelling, can sure. be a very compelling, um, visual argument and a, certainly a way to get people because everyone has a pet for the most part, you know, and it's, you have to be able to, you got to like lift the veil, you got to, but it, there's so much conditioning to get through. We're conditioned in such a way. And yeah, it's all the, it's all the time bombarding us and manipulating us. So it's now, hard. how do you feel about, I've had this conversation with a few vegans and uh, one of them said, you know what, I, I've never thought about it. Um, how do you feel about insects? Because there's a growing, you know, a growing movement saying it's very sustainable yeah. to eat yeah. insects, but then you have to take a look at, okay, are we talking about cows versus dogs? What about insects? And people put fish on another scale as well, some people. So if you're talking about a life as a life, what about like barbecue dried crickets, salt yeah. and pepper mealworms? Yeah. Well, I am terrified of insects. <laughs> <laughs> I am very squeamish with insects. Well, these ones would be deep fried, so they're not going to bite you. And I'm all about deep frying. But here's the thing. I, I can't, I don't know much about the insect protein industry. I, I know I've seen bags of barbecue crickets now at the no frills or wherever with right. chips. But I think 
in a bigger scale, they're talking about using crickets and bugs as a source of protein in places that aren't being fed, like in places that are poor. Oh, this is a great protein source for the countries that have no food systems in place. And maybe it's a solution. And I'm all for making sure nobody should be going hungry. But what we have to go back and realize is most of these other countries aren't getting food because the food supply is going to feed the animals for people like us in North America. And that's the problem. That's the imbalance. Right. So that to me should be a bigger priority than figuring out how to feed crickets to people. Like, (laughs) and I think crickets are disgusting. It's like, well, why do they get crickets? Why do these people who you're going to feed them crickets? Like, it just seems like the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Why crickets? Like that's your solution. While we over here get to eat all the hamburgers we want. Like, yeah, there's a big imbalance going on. So again, I'm speaking a bit just like off the cuff. I don't know enough about the whole system and the sustainability issue and all these things. But look, I don't think it's possible in my, I, I just don't think it's possible. The whole world can't go vegan. I don't think. Not immediately. No, no, not immediately. I think we can work toward a much higher volume of plant food. And again, the redistribution of grains and plants being fed to humans and not animals for feed. Because that's crazy. Right. Um, like the crops are all for the animals. And it's just like, that doesn't make sense to me. So that needs to be fixed. And uh But, you know, there's also lots of more, you know, indigenous communities and things. It's not possible for them to go vegan. And I think they should be allowed to do certain things that are part of their tradition and that are kind of part of a sustainable system in the communities they live in. That's not the problem. The problem is industrialized animal agriculture and deforestation and water pollution due to all of this. That is the problem. Like, we need to attack the biggest issue. That's the biggest problem. And figure out how to dismantle that. And, you know, there's all the soil regeneration stuff. And there, there's a lot of ways we can do it so much better. So, Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like rocket science. There's so much to all of it. You know, eating um, sustainable seafood, it's, it's complicated, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's really tough because I go to our seafood market that's a seafood market. And I ask them, you know, was this line caught? Where, you know, the, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because if you look up no, David, David Suzuki on his website, it's got a great guide to eating sustainable, but it's not a five minute read. You're kind of going, okay, wait, but if it's from here, it needs to be line caught and it has to be caught between these months and you can only, it's like, it's complicated to actually do it right. And then you go and ask the, your fishmonger and then their employees don't even know. So it gets, it gets murky, right? Well, and I think at the end of the day, if you want to dive into more of the research, and again, I'm not an expert, but mostly it's not sustainable. It's either farmed or if it's ocean caught, it's still not sustainable because people are overfishing. And they've, you know, mm-hmm. if you talk, if you, if you listen to some of that new David Attenborough information, you know, th- there is ways of rewilding and regenerating right. populations of fish in a very simple way by just reducing the amount of fishing we're doing, but it's not we're not reducing the amount of fishing quick enough to make it sustainable. So we need to either like take a pause or collectively with a global agreement, figure out everyone needs to stop fishing and have quotas, very low quotas for a certain amount of time to regenerate. So perhaps there's a way for people to continue eating fish, but at the rate we're going, like there's absolutely no way that any of it's sustainable. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. It's kind of like, I just want to eat. It's so complicated. I know. I just go. It's very complicated. And that's why I had to go vegan because it was too complicated for me to figure out what to eat. Like I read right. The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan very early when I started this. And I was like, yes, I'm having an omnivore's dilemma. Like what the fuck am I supposed to eat? Everything's this, right. everything's that healthy, not healthy. Well, it's like very complicated and it's made it simpler by going vegan, but it's, it's still complicated because we live in this industrialized society and our food is manufactured and, there's just too many people and I don't know how. And the manufacturing of food is, is it's all about the bottom line. Like I said, I've been into yeah. every food factory, yeah. probably in Ontario. And, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. You go in there and you see, it's always all about the bottom line, even companies that are environmental companies. Um, yeah, you know, know, we did work in a, a food paper products 
And that's what they market is that they're 100% biodegradable and all this stuff. It wasn't a great company in, in terms of uh, what they were doing, right? You know, mm -hmm. chem chemicals kind of going in the floor and mm -hmm. exhaust going unfiltered out into the air. So a lot of these companies, it's a marketing stamp, you know, unfortunately, because the consumer yeah. feels good saying that, okay, this is 100% yeah. biodegradable, but all factories run with big trucks and big emissions and, yeah. you yeah. know. Then big I mean, I, you can't be, is there, there's no scenario where anyone hits every, checks every box and is perfect, right? You're always going to, there's always going to be some compromise somewhere, but I think we have to try to do the best we can. And I also like to send that message out about going vegan, that it's not about being perfect. Like there's no, we right. got to get rid of, a, we got to get rid of like this echelon, this level 10, this perfectionism. It's right. so, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like mental illness, right? When we're trying to like, it's just it, trying to achieve. It's all like all wrapped up in that. And I just right. got to get rid of that pressure for people with anything, but especially in this community I'm part of. It's like, I really try to get rid of the, just that attitude of perfection. Right. I'm a perfectionist. I've had to work my whole life at making sure I don't teeter off too far down that road. And I did that at the beginning of vegan, of going vegan too. Right. So I really have to work hard at, just doing the best I can, trying to make the best decisions we can. Everyone's different, though, in terms of what they feel they need to eat. Oh, and I was going to say, even, you know, eating more plants, great. But all the food is nutritionally void. You know, all the produce is, has less nutrition than it ever has. So that's Terrible. another issue. It's like you can eat all these plants all you want, but you can't even get what we're – can't even get the medicine from it anymore as much as we could before we ruined the, the soil and everything else. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did a study. They took a broccoli from, uh, or they took the, the amount of nutrients that they knew from a broccoli like 50 years ago. And then today, and it's crazy. I don't, I don't have any numbers, but it's like, it right. was like 16% or something of the nutrient, yeah. you know, yeah. because we've so, devalued the soil and everything so much. And we're, we're growing things so fast. Uh, and that's only going to get better as the population explodes in the next, you know, yeah. So, but these uh, are the things that keep me up at night, Adam. <laughs> well, don't do it. You have to, you have to take an Aleve and go to, or, uh, what's the, the nighttime pill? A Ambien. Yeah. Take an Ambien. Those are vegan. See, those are fine. <laughs> take a vegan Ambien and get your sleep. Don't think about it. Um, you want to talk a little bit about cookbooks? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to lighten it up because we just talked about the demise of humanity. We start Yes, we're getting into an existential spiral. Yeah, it's, it's getting into yeah. that that whole thing. Yeah. And uh, I'm eating vegan tonight, so I can feel good. My wife's cooking. So um, so your first cookbook. Yeah. Um, when did that? That's uh, Vegan Comfort Food. Vegan Comfort Classics. Vegan Comfort Classics, yep. I, um, I guess I had been doing YouTube for about a year and a half, and then I started getting approached by some small publishers and people were actually asking when are you going to do a cookbook? Um, so again, one of those things, like I sometimes sound like a brat, but it's like, I don't plan these things. I didn't want to do a cookbook. I thought it was like antiquated. I thought that's old school. Like, why would I do a cookbook? Just was in my mind. Like, Oh, I'm so stubborn. I think it's like, if people tell me to do something, I don't want to do it. But if it comes to right. me organically, like this message, I'm like, okay, it has to be right for me. Like I can't be told what to do. So right. it just took some time to me to warm up to the idea. And when the time was right, the time was right. And I met with Penguin in Canada, Penguin Canada, and um, met with an editor. And she was wonderful. And I think she really inspired me. And I kind of left that meeting in the fall of 2016 or the end of the summer of 2016. I was super, I was like, okay, this feels right now. Like whatever conversation I had with her, I don't know what she said to me. She wasn't super selly or anything. She was really cool. So I just felt like it was very natural. And I left there and I started putting together the proposal like very quickly. Cause it just sort of hit like the idea right. hit and it flowed. And I was like, okay, fine, we're going to do this. And then, yeah, I got a book deal. And then I made a book and I made a book in, I think I made a book in six months at that time. Wow, that's fast. I had to do it so fast. And I did it all myself, except for some of the photography, but all the recipe photos I took. And then I brought in a friend who's a photographer, Vanessa, and she did the portraits at the end. It was insane. It was the most insane thing I've ever done. But uh, so rewarding, I guess, you know, I couldn't have imagined 
like what like what comes from doing that type of thing. I don't know what it is about making a book or like being a published author, but like there's just some kind of like clout or like reputation or like something that just helps like further you as a business. Like it was a really good business decision, but right. it was also a really fulfilling creative journey that really hooked me in. There's something about creating like a body of work. Like it's much more meaningful than just the everyday funneling out videos right and six months is fast because everyone's told me a year is the common answer everyone said yeah it took about a year 10 months you know yeah i should have had 15. a year but because of when we signed the deal to when they were hoping to put it out and i'm kind of glad we did it for the timing because it ended up being perfect but um because it takes so long to print and put together, like I had to have the manuscript done in about six, seven months. Then it took another four or five months to actually like edit, design, and like do the layout. Right. So, but I had to have all the content delivered to the publisher in six months. And that's fast. Normally you'd have a year to do that. And then another year to do the rest of the stuff, which is what I did for my second book. I got a full year to do the development and the testing and the photography. So, right, right. So the new book is hot for food uh oh all write it down. day hot for, hot food, for all food all day. day that's what it is i'm like i'll remember that and then i didn't that's okay <clears throat> but that's coming out march 16th correcto yep it's available for pre-order right now on hotforfood.com hotforfoodblog.com will give you all the different retailers so i don't sell direct but you can go to indigo amazon indie um indie what's it called whatever. I'm also promoting buy from a black bookstore. You can order online. They can get it in. It'll ship yeah, to you. I was going to talk to you about that because I was going to, I don't have your first book. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, ha I have lots, but I don't have that one. I was actually going to buy I can it. send you one. Does your daughter, we can send you one for your daughter. Well, I was going to, yeah, I was going to get one for her for Christmas. Oh, okay. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to, I thought I was going to buy that for her because she, she thought it's cool. She's really gotten into cooking. I mean, all my kids. Cool. Um, but a, a good friend of mine's a really good chef. So he hired her over the summer and, oh, cool. uh, oh yeah, he's teaching her knife skills. And she, at first she wasn't into it, but now she's really gotten into cooking. She's making like just off the cuff avocado chocolate puddings and, nice. and stuff like that. So she's really pumped to try your, uh, nacho cheese, I think is what she's Oh said. yeah. You guys with potatoes. Is that right? potatoes and carrots yeah it sounds weird but if you blend it right it's like magic sauce yeah yeah because cheese was that was that's the holdout like we said for her that yeah. was the last thing because she went vegetarian forever and then she kept going back to cheese and then going out of it and she hates them all you know the <laughs> dia and 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 i know some of these you promote and stuff but some of those bigger I, actually, brands, I love I like the products. I'm not, like, I'm not lying. I really like the vegan cheese products. Most of them. Right. Maybe it's an acquired taste. I don't know. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with her. I haven't found one really that. Okay. That I've, that I've liked that much. Um, uh, there was one that you were promoting. I don't, I couldn't find it in Canada because you said it might not be yet. I think it's the Violife Aged Cheddar or something. Yeah. So I've noticed Violife is in the store. Like even out here in Canmore, it's at the Save-On, but not that one I showed. But That's, the slices are really good. If, if you can get your hands on the slices, those I make have, amazing grilled cheeses. I have the slices and that's what I use them for. And they're good for grilled cheese. I can, I can do that. Yeah. I haven't found a mozzarella shred that I liked. I haven't found that yet. Um, but I use that. That's kind of my cheese alternative is the Violife slices. But I was really excited to see uh, that the mature cheddar, aged cheddar, whatever it is. The mature cheddar. I, I'm obsessed. Yeah. I hope they bring that to Canada soon. I noticed the shreds don't melt very well on pizza. They kind of get crusty. Right. Right. But yeah. that's why I like the Daya cutting board shreds. This is not a sponsor I, because they actually <laughs> melt. They melt. Like, they do. They, they melt nice. But that the yeah. coconut you know, the coconut cheeses have that pungent taste. Mm, and I, I yeah. don't like it. Some people yeah, are good so many it, people, like, I don't even taste coconut, but some people just, it's so offensive to them. They can taste it in everything. So it's, it's not a coconut flavor. It's like a, it's like a rotten coconut flavor. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I'm not that crazy about it, but uh, 
but well, I've that's given, okay. I've given up on that. I don't have pizzas. I just have flatbreads with sauce and vegetables and like drizzle of olive oil or whatever. But, uh, but that's what I do. I gave up on trying to put cheese on it. Oh. You know, it's too hard. <laughs> um, so do you have to, do you have to quarantine when you go back now? Um, not legally, but oh. I will. Right. I, right. I, I will also go get a rapid test when I go back to LA just to be safe. I've had two negative tests out here though already. So, um, to, and flying feels kind of safe. Like sure. everyone's masked. The air, they say it's safe because the air circulates, uh, you know, very frequently. So as long as I think you're being safe, you're washing your hands, you're not touching your face, you're wearing the mask. Um, you're just being, you're on just hyper alert about what you're doing and what you're touching. Right. What are the regulations yeah, in I, I LA okay. right now? Are they, are they hardcore in LA? Oh, I, I don't know. There's a curfew, I think right now. And you're just, you wear a mask everywhere, grocery store, everything. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not socializing, but I think obviously it's getting so bad because people just are going and hanging out at people's houses. Right. So I think that must be what it is. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's moving somehow. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah here in Ontario, they, they said that 86% of it was actually from healthcare, uh, nursing homes, daycares, and schools. Mm. Um, was that was the transmission. And I guess maybe from the employees that are in the community. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I stay home and podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I stay home I and blog and make videos. Yeah. It's a good life to actually be able to do that kind of, uh, that kind of stuff. I basically I know. do the same I'm thing. We're lucky. Um, I have to go in five minutes, but yep. we can keep. Yeah, I was, okay, sorry. I was just going to wrap it up, actually. Okay. Uh, sorry. We're, we're, <laughs> that's okay. We're hitting off the end of the hour. Is there anything else you wanted to mention um, or promote? Well, yeah. If people um, want to look out for Hot for Food all day, and if you pre-order it, I have got a free ebook I'm giving away of totally like new recipes that aren't in the cookbook. It's called just dessert stuff. So there's 10 really amazing dessert recipes. So once you pre-order from anywhere, you just take your proof of purchase and on my site, hotforfoodblog.com, you'll see a post for just dessert stuff. You basically just claim it uh, that way with your receipt and uh, you can get a, an ebook for Christmas to do all your baking and stuff. So you'll get that right away. That's awesome. Now I was going to ask you real quick about supporting like the black owned Mm -hmm. uh, stores. And you said support your local bookstores. We don't really have any, the big box guys took it all over. Uh, the only ones like in, in our town here are used bookstores. They don't, they don't even order. So is there, is there a resource, do you know, for like black too bad. bookstores? Well, um, on my site I'll have, and on my Instagram, I've linked it too, but, um, Penguin Canada has like a list of black owned bookstores across the country. So that's okay. one link. Actually, I can send you the link if you want to put it in your show notes. Um, yeah. And then to be honest, like in the US, I don't like if you have US listeners, like if you just Google black owned bookstores because of all the um, protests and, you know, obviously the the amp up in promoting black right. owned businesses, there's just lists all over the internet. So right. um, I think, you know, take the extra bit of effort. I really do think this year to just like support local shops, support local bookstores, better even black owned businesses who can order and ship gifts to you online. Like try to avoid the Amazon. 100%. Yeah. It's, um, it's <laughs> really, really hard right now, but that's what, that's what we're all about is trying to, uh, trying to push people to do that too. If you can, I know the book will be a little bit more expensive by a few dollars, but uh, if you have the means and the resources and the time to just, you know, do the Google search, you know, do it through another website, then I'm just really trying to push that. But yeah, yeah. my book's available anywhere books are sold. So, and any bookstore should be able to just get it in too, you know. And pre-order now for March and Vegan Comfort Classics is still available. Yeah, available and people are buying it and it's great. It makes a great... Um, sort of introductory to good vegan comfort for good vegan food in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And the recipes are, uh, they look really good and we're going to try you. the nacho cheese this weekend. So I can't wait to see, tag me in your little, uh, take me, tag me in something if you're posting it. Yeah. I'll tag you on the Instagram. We'll do, we'll do an Instagram yeah. thing with me and, and her. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, this is a great chat. Thanks for having me.
hotforfoodblog.com. If uh, if you're into blogs, you're into food. If you're vegan, if you're interested in the vegan lifestyle, or just some good recipes, she's got a lot of stuff on there that's really good, whether or not you're a vegan. And uh, if you're a more visual type of person like I am, check out her YouTube channel. It's actually really good. She's quirky and fun. Definitely worth a look-see. And uh, go buy her book. you got to support these people that aren't already gazillionaires. Especially when they take a year of their lives and develop recipes and all that kind of stuff. I love cookbooks, as you may already know. And uh, I'm going to get it. So you should get it. It's called uh, Hot for Food All Day. Comes out March 16th, but pre-order now. Sorry, did that sound like a command? Ah, fuck it. You know what? Pre-order now. Do it. Right now. I will say that it is my favorite question to ask vegans is what about bugs? What about eating insects? Is the value of one life equal to another? Regardless of order, genome, species, size, intelligence, if we say that these animals have feelings, they feel pain, they have family, they have emotions, even insects, is a life a life? Because there's a whole sustainability thing around eating insects now because they're sustainable. They're a sustainable source of protein. You can get a lot more grams of protein in one acre than you can with cows uh, with like no carbon emissions or hardly any carbon emissions. So regardless of the grossness factor that, you know, eating bugs is gross, when in fact a lot of them are cleaner than the animals that we eat every day, but forgetting all of that, my question is always, does one life equal another life? Is a chicken, chicken, chicken? Is a, is a chicken, there I got it right that time, equally as valuable on the life scale as a cricket, for instance, or a cow and a mealworm or whatever insects that you like to eat? I don't know. It's just a question I like to ask. Generally, I get kind of a, hmm, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that because vegans tend to go for animals with uh, their bones on the inside of their body not exoskeleton type of beings. Something to think about. As Arsenio would have said, things that make you go, hmm, oh shit, I dated myself there, didn't I? (laughs) Okay, that's a good note to end on. Don't forget blood, sweat, and tongs. Every Wednesday with a new conversation with a very interesting person. And I don't mean me. Look, things have been crazy for a while, so please remember to be good to each other, and I'll talk to you soon.